Hey there, and welcome to the Smart and Simple Matters show with your host, Joel Zeslovsky. Is there anyone better than Citizens Against Quiet, Idle Hands, and Saving to tell you how to live your life? Well, probably, but let's find out together. This is episode number 110. Why, hello there. Awesome to have you listening to this episode. And hey, guess what? Yes, thanks a freaking ton for just listening into what I have to say, what my guests have to say. This episode, any past episodes you've cranked up. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's corny. I have a son named Grant, but he is the only person I take for granted. Your ears, your time, your attention, they are precious. I am so happy that I get a little chunk of those. Not your ear, of course. I'm not Mike Tyson or anything. I just want a little time and attention from time to time. As always, this episode is brought to you by my voice and Patreon supporters. So consider showing your support for me, this show, and our community at joelsislavsky.com slash support. Before I get into a couple of small updates, I would like to digitally transmit an extra dose of love to Stefan, who recently left this lovely iTunes review of the show. Stefan wrote, Smart and Simple Matters is one of those podcasts that I come to check out with the intention of just staying for a few episodes, but Joel does such a fine job with it that it's now one of the six that I listen to like clockwork. A few dozen episodes later, I can attest that Joel brings a great sense of genuineness, compassion, and good old-fashioned social interest to each episode. He is one of only a few guys I know brave enough to publicly put his own failings and emotions out on stage without defending them or seeking sympathy. Stefan, sweet, sassy, molassie, you make me happy. Thank you so much for those kind words. They mean a ton to me. I've also been pleased with the response that I got from last episode 109 with Daniel Vitalis of the Rewild Yourself podcast. Uh, He is a controversial figure. A number of regular listeners said, wow, that was just an awesome episode. A couple of people even told me that it was their favorite one out of the 100 plus that I've done. And there were two people in particular and just some general uh, vague uneasiness on social media that I picked up on that said, ah, we just don't get it. Um, We do not subscribe to his worldview. We question the science, uh, the statistics, the philosophy behind what he was saying. All this to say, um, he is very countercultural. Every once in a while, I do bring on intentionally uh, guests that I know will ruffle some feathers, uh, challenge some people in uh, predictable ways and in unpredictable ways. I did that with Robert Scoble back in episode 53, who basically has um, a worldview of uh, intense busyness and some just he's very much um, not in alignment with some of the things that I am and that our community generally is. But he's a smart man and he had a different view to present. And I want to make sure that there's always room for voices of dissent, 
voices from the mainstream, voices from people who um, get us to remember, oh yeah, that's right. There are so many people in this world who don't believe what we believe, who don't think what we do, who don't act and eat and sleep and all the other fundamental things that make us human. They're just a bit different. Um, Yet I love to focus on the aspects, even of the people who we seemingly disagree with, what unifies us, what brings us together. I'll have uh, more guests like Robert Scoble or Daniel Vitalis. Not that I'm trying to draw a parallel between the two of them, because I'd love to have Daniel on again. Not so much with Robert. Not that there's anything wrong with the guy. And anyway, I'm droning on a little long, and I just wanted to let you know, it's October 2016. Uh, My son Grant, he's been in kindergarten for a month, and he and I are just having the best time before and after school, cruising around our neighborhood on bikes, making new friends, playing badminton with random people. It's just been a delight to get into a new rhythm of life with having a kindergartner in the house, a condensed work day, but more fun and more silliness, more literally getting out there into the neighborhood and into nature. It's been just tremendous. Now, let's groove into the main part of this episode, shall we? It's a, it's a bit of an experiment, because it's a lot shorter than my now regular almost hour-long episodes. I think it's been that way for a couple of years. I clock in at about an hour pretty regularly, whether it's a solo show or a chat with somebody else. Uh, And I have to say, this one really tested my withered creative writing muscles. I just don't use them very much since letting go of blogging a while back. And it's also pushing me into a realm I rarely enter, which is that of satire. Yes, satire. Now, you're thinking, okay, great, Joel. You're experimenting on me again. I didn't give you permission to do this. What do I get from participating in your latest experiment? Well, I bet you'll get some chuckles or laughs for starters. I will also hold up a mirror to a culture you know very well, and you might see some unpleasant things reflected back at us. And here is a promise to you. I will not drop any extended pre-2000 song references on you, for better or for worse. It's about to get funky fresh up in here, but I guess that means here we go. I remember reading a tongue-in-cheek, very satirical blog post in May 2013 on Scientific American by a guy named Patrick Mustaine. Uh, I am very literal. I like long titles, and this blog post by Patrick was both of those. Uh, It really did it for me. The tongue-in-cheek title was, Dear American Consumers, Please Don't Start Eating Healthfully. Sincerely, The Food Industry. Dear American consumers, please don't start eating healthfully. Sincerely, the food industry. Isn't that just delightful? Uh, Well, uh, that is essentially what billions of marketing dollars are trying to say to you, me, and the children of the world. Uh, Not to mention what thousands of corporate lobbyists are trying to convince our politicians of. Now, I thought the blog post title and the article itself was clever, you know, funny, of course, in a satirical way, and I really wished at the time that I read it that I thought to create something like that, only for topics other than food. So I'm going to use his framework to talk about another topic and read you a fake letter that I wrote on behalf of people in industries that want to keep us frantically busy. 
Yeah, that's assuming that they don't already have a sleepwalking through life, like I was doing for my first 30 years. Uh, people who want to keep us powerless. They don't want us to question the status quo, let alone actively try to change it. And of course, they want to keep us buying solely for the sake of buying. But first, I want to give you a taste of what Patrick Mustaine wrote. So you can have some contrast, you can have some context, and you can compare it to the fake letter that I'm going to come up with. Here are some snippets of his fake letter from the food industry to all Americans. Of course, this could apply worldwide. Uh, It's going to take a few minutes, but it's worth it. Listen tight, sit tight, stand tight, run tight, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, while I do my best dramatic interpretation of a spoken version of this blog post by Patrick. Dear consumers, a disturbing trend has come to our attention. You, the people, are thinking more about health, and you're starting to do something about it. This cannot continue. Sure, there's always been talk of health in America. We often encourage it. The thing is, we only want you to think about and talk about health in a certain way, equating health with how you look instead of outcomes like quality of life and reduced disease risk. Your superficial understanding of health has a great influence over your purchasing decisions, and we're ready for it. Whether you choose to go low-calorie, low-fat, gluten-free, or inevitably give up and accept the fact that you can't resist our little Debbie snacks, potato chips, and ice cream novelties. Whatever the current health trend, we respond by developing and marketing new products. We can also show you how great some of our current products are and always have been. For example, when things were not looking so good for fat, our friends at Welsh's were able to point out that their chewy fruit snacks were a fat-free option. Then the tide turned against carbohydrates. Our friends in meat and dairy were happy to show that their steaks, meats, and cheeses were low-carb choices, but eh, we're getting uneasy. In 2009, Congress commissioned the Interagency Working Group, IWG, to develop standards for advertising foods to children. That included all kinds of groups like the Federal Trade Commission, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Food and Drug Administration, the United States Department of Agriculture, Congress identified these organizations as having some expertise in nutrition, health, psychology, education, marketing, and other fields relevant to food and beverage marketing and child nutrition standards. We were dismayed when the IWG released its report in 2011. The guidelines said that foods advertised to children must provide a meaningful contribution to a healthful diet. This report was potentially devastating. Thankfully, We have a ton of money, and we're able to use it to get the IWG to withdraw the guidelines. In a public comment posted on the Federal Trade Commission's website, our friends at General Mills pointed out that under the IWG guidelines, the most commonly consumed foods in the U.S. would be considered unhealthy. Specifically, of the 100 most commonly consumed foods and beverages in America, 88 would fail the IWG's proposed standards. So you see, if you people start eating the way the nutrition experts recommend that you eat, that would delegitimize almost 90% of the products we produce. Do you realize how much money that would cost us? According to the General Mills letter, if everyone in the U.S. started eating healthfully, it would cost us $503 billion per year. 
That might affect our ability to pay CEOs like General Mills Ken Powell annual compensations of more than $12 million. But revamping the food environment will also cost you money. The General Mills letter stated a shift by the average American to the IWG diet would conservatively increase the individual's annual food spending by $1,632. Sure, uh, we've heard talk about costs to the individual that arise from being obese. One 2010 paper from the George Washington University School of Public Health and Health Services estimated that the annual cost to an individual for being obese can be upwards of $8,000. We like to think of this as a small price to pay for consumer freedom. Of course, we don't necessarily want you to be unhealthy. It's just that it's so much more profitable to provide foods that happen to be unhealthy. We've been able to industrialize the food system so that we can produce massive amounts of the cheapest ingredients available in the cheapest, most efficient way possible. On top of that, we understand human biology. Humans evolved in situations in which food was scarce. This led to an evolutionary adaptation that causes you to crave salty, sugary, and fatty foods. Who wouldn't want to play upon that biological craving to increase profits? If one company didn't, their competitors would, so we all kind of have to do it. We are also able to provide you with perceived value. Because it doesn't cost us that much more to make a soda, say, 42 ounces instead of 22 We can almost double the size of a beverage and only charge you 20% more. How can you resist a deal like that? You can't. Trust us. We know. So you see, dear consumer, everything is fine. We've got a good thing going here. There's no need for you to start worrying about the industrial food system. If you do start thinking about your weight, check out our line of Healthy Choice Frozen Meals. If that doesn't work, our friends over in the pharmaceutical industry, the health and fitness industry, and the healthcare industry will be happy to help you continue to fulfill your role as an American consumer. And that's the end of the very fake, very scary, and too close to the truth letter from Patrick Mustaine. Wow. How about that? It's, it's sad and kind of funny because a lot of it is darn near true or absolutely true. So... Let's think for a moment here. I want you to imagine what would a letter from, as far as I know, the mythical working group for being frantic, overwhelmed, and chasing money at an esteemed organization, the Citizens Against Quiet, Idle Hands, and Saving, what would a letter like that sound like? What would it feel like if someone wanted to convince you to keep doing what you're doing or what other people around you are doing against yours and their best interests and that of the best interests of our broader society or even the whole world? Well, I've drafted a letter from the fictional Citizens Against Quiet, Idle Hands, and Saving Group, and I would like to read it for you now. Dear mindless, busy consumer and purchaser of fleeting joy, please don't start intentionally identifying your needs. It has come to our very limited and some would say non-existent attention that people out there, they are wasting their scarce time with foolhardy activities like meditation, taking up the challenge to say no to things that don't bring them fulfillment or act in service to others, and are working more for the outcome than the income they get. We know, we know, it's madness, and we're actively doing our best to put an end to these fads in between binging on TV and 
starting endless window shopping trips that quickly turn into actual shopping trips. We're concerned. There's always been talk about slowing down, being simple, and focusing on things like spiritual growth over material possessions. Yes, we've heard about the Buddha and the recurrence of ancient, and we thought happily buried, concepts like generosity and deliberately living within your means. We're we're not living under a rock, you know. Just merely trying to get people to bury their heads in the sand a bit more. Figuratively speaking, of course, because why would you want to be near the sand when you could be inside, away from all of that worrisome nature, in front of a glowing screen, serving you the best pictures, videos, and clickbait blog posts anyone could ever hope to consume. At the same time, we're concerned that you've been listening to National Public Radio, who reported that the average size of the American home has nearly tripled over the past 50 years. We're embarrassed for you that you read the New York Times Magazine, only to discover that one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage, the fastest-growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. And we are appalled that you believe any statistic coming from any government agency that we don't try to subtly control, especially the U.S. Department of Energy, who recently told us that 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park their cars inside them, and 32% only have room for one vehicle. We recommend that you buy an outdoor tent for your cars because if they got snow on them, that might jeopardize your ability to drive around to all the places you might otherwise think to walk to. Do you know how dangerous walking is, especially in the sunlight? If you're going to be outside and moving around, we'd rather have you stay safe. Safe on a $4,000 deluxe fat tire bike. We'd like to remind you that anyone or anything that steps in your way, or rides in your way for that matter, anything that slows you down, that stops you from getting exactly what you want, when you want it, that is the enemy. Let us be clear and blunt. Impulse control is for losers. You know who else is a loser? That David Brooks guy who writes all those opinion articles that some people actually read. We know. We were surprised to hear that too. Pay no mind to his like or anyone who tries to tell you that the real contradiction of capitalism is that it arouses enormous ambition, but it doesn't help you define where you should focus it. You want our opinion? We feel like people are at their best when they give up their sleep time. Time with their families, their leisure time, their money, their depleted energy, and their own free choice to maintain social norms that they didn't create and never consciously agreed to. It's rather generous to us because our executives count on a certain level of mindlessness to pad their annual bonuses and keep you in a constant state of dizzy complexity. Oh, uh, wait, did we just publicly admit to that? Ah, no matter. Our ad team and marketers will help you forget what we just said in three, two, one. Hey, hey, look, something shiny, something that will make you more productive in all the wrong ways. Um, uh, where were we? Oh, yes, you need to buy more new toys for your kids. Not secondhand toys. Those deserve to be in the landfill. We prefer the ones that have tie-ins to movies and TV shows that your kids can watch over and over as they get more squirrely with each passing minute. 
We don't have to deal with their pent-up energy or lethargy after they're done, so what do we care? If you're looking for a specific recommendation, we like Paw Patrol because, according to the image, without citations or merit at the start of each episode, it teaches citizenship and solving problems by way of a group of friendly rescue pups who team up to help neighbors in trouble. Whatever you do, do not attempt to thwart our global campaign to rid the world of boredom. Boredom. <laughs> Along with its ilk, like solitude, quiet, and tranquility, they're like polio and malaria. They all deserve to be eradicated. Don't you know what they say about idle hands? If you insist on slowing down and simplifying, at least you can do it in a way that will make us happy. May we suggest you start meditating, not with a free app on your phone or just by chilling for a few minutes and taking some rhythmic breaths, but with an upscale meditation class subscription. If you're going to just sit there, it should at least be some kind of activity with goals. Yes, goals. And a formulaic structure so you don't have to think about it. Get it? (laughs) Don't have to think about it? (laughs) We're hilarious. After you're done paying to sit quietly, we'd appreciate it if you then paid to sit at a coffee shop with a friend so we can package up the experience of connection with someone and uh, sell it back to you. Don't you dare consider inviting someone over to your own place for a beverage. That form of hospitality is inhospitable to us. In conclusion, we thank you for taking our words as sacred facts and not challenging the assumptions and worldview behind them. If you're feeling conflicted by all this, treat yourself to something nice, something expensive, and take your mind off of everything. You deserve it. So, which letter was the funniest or closest to the truth for you? Uh, The original one that I read first from Patrick Mustaine from The Food Industry or my letter from Citizens Against Quiet, Idle Hands, and Saving. You, of course, are invited to describe what you felt when you heard each letter in the show notes at joelzeslowski.com slash SASM110. And if you're feeling like writing your own fake letter that is close to the truth, go long form in the show notes comments. If you dig it, you can write one on your own blog and uh, deliver one in your own podcast. You can even email it to me. I'm at joel at joelzaslowski.com. As long as I'm aware of what you created and it sounds good, I might even feature it in a follow-up episode to this one. In fact, for a future episode, I have another letter that I would like to read for you from Soli McSolison, the president at the Rugged Individualist Society, and he calls it Dear Isolated, Detached, and Feeling Helpless Individual. Please don't meaningfully connect with your family, new friends, or people in your local community. If you got something else good, I would love to hear it, literally if possible. I'm a big fan of this audio medium, as you know. For the record, I did not give any hat tips while I was reading the letters to um, some smart and very intentional people whose words I paraphrased in a hopefully comedic way. You'll see links in the show notes to some of the blog posts or podcasts that influence the wonderfully fake and closer to reality than is comfortable letter that I spoke for you. 
You'll find links to all the stuff I spoke about, topic timestamps, takeaways, and more grooviness in the show notes at joelzaslavsky.com slash SASM110. You'll also see information in the show notes about how to support me, this show, and our community at joelzaslavsky.com slash support. I want to round out this episode by doing something that I do every once in a while. I'd like to mention another podcast that I enjoy, and this time I'd like to offer up Sam Harris's Waking Up podcast for you. I read his book of the same title, Waking Up, uh, about a year and a half ago. I think it was in around May 2015, and it was a solid read. And after checking out that book, I started paying more attention to Sam and what he said, what he wrote, and started listening to his Waking Up podcast, which I have to say, if you're feeling low energy or brain dead, it's something that requires some serious mental bandwidth. Uh, I would go so far as to classify it as intellectually advanced. I know it's not always appropriate or there is a time and a place for that kind of thing. You kind of need to gear yourself up to listen to one of his episodes. I've linked to his podcast in the show notes um, for this episode, and you can dip in and out of his Waking Up uh, podcast episodes in any order. There's not sequential nature to them. You just kind of go wherever you want. If you're looking for a place to begin, I would hope you'd consider listening to my favorite Waking Up podcast episode, at least that I've heard so far. It's called The Dark Side, A Conversation with Paul Bloom. It's just a logically rich in some ways, almost prophetic uh, view into the rise of Donald Trump before he actually got to the point where he was a legitimate presidential candidate. Uh, Paul Bloom and Sam Harris, they also talk about the merits of torture under certain circumstances, trophy hunting, and other major taboos that the two of them dare to touch and challenge us all about. They also talk about their hypocrisy when it comes to eating meat, and it's just a good challenging episode all around. As for this Smart and Simple Matters episode, if you got something out of it or you just generally dig the show, share it. I know I'm not just one more human that you randomly listen to and you are certainly not just a statistic, a downloader, or even an email subscriber to my newsletter. We are part of the same community and I really value you. If you want to reciprocate some love today, with just a word about this episode or about smart and simple matters in general, just comment to one person you know. Simple and easy. Well, you've just listened to the Smart and Simple Matters podcast with Joel Zaslavsky. Now go simplify something. Hug someone or get your sexy spreadsheet on.